We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast with me, Simon Campbell. Tonight, I am joined for the Aston Villa preview by Adam Widrington. Good evening, Adam. Hello. How are you doing, Si? Great, great. And Kyle... Thompson? Yes. Nearly forgot your surname there. Hang on. Spotty dog. (laughs) Good to see you, lads. Uh, This show would normally go on our Patreon channel, but as a special treat, we are putting it out for free for all to hear tonight. Um, But if you would like to hear it without the adverts that interject the show and um, loads of other patter, you can join us on Patreon, which we now have a variety of of price ranges for that. If you just want to support us for a couple of quid a month, you can do, as well as the full premium that gets you something like four or five additional shows per week. Uh, for what works out at about a couple of quid a week. So if you love like what we do, come and join us. We'd love to have you. But tonight we are, of course, talking about another very, very winnable home game for Newcastle United um, off the back of three cracking, cracking results. It is the, the team we all want to beat, we all really want to beat. The club that's desperate to be our rivals, desperate since 2009, since the weird sob on the time stuff, the weirdest behaviour of a home support I think I've ever seen. Um, they'd finished like 10th or something. They should have been happy, but they spent the whole time obsessing over Newcastle. They can fuck off. But yes, this is Aston Villa. We've had a year of, they got Gerard, they got Dinier, they got Coutinho, they got Diego Carlos. Okay, he's been injured. He's probably kind of good. And you know, thank fuck they got all of that <laughs> because I wouldn't take a single one of them now knowing where we are. So yes, they've had a bit of a stinking, stinking start the season. Gerard's gone. Um, this is an Aston Villa side, by the way. I did a bit of research before the show, lads, before we get into it. They've got the ninth most expensive side in the league. Um, we're seventh, which I was quite surprised at, but I think the, the signing of Isak really pushed us up that table. If we hadn't signed Isak, they would still have a more expensive squad than we do. But uh, yes, they've got some dafty in the dugout whose name escapes me, the, the, the caretaker manager, Aaron Dinks, Donks. Danks, Aaron Danks. Danks. Literally n- hadn't heard of him before the weekend. Wrong vowel. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so everything points to we should smash these, no? So I'll come to you first, Kyle. Initial thoughts on this fixture. Is it does it is is it a three point? It has to be three points. You know what? It, it, it's it's very I feel like it's deja vu from pre-Bournemouth at home. Like, everyone was saying, nailed on, three points, no bother. They've got a caretaker manager in charge. They've just been thumped in the last away game by several goals. (laughs) We we couldn't score. We we really struggled against them. And I get that kind of vibe because I watched them against Fulham the other week and 
uh, like Gerard getting sacked was the most unsurprising thing of the season because they, they were absolutely dreadful in that game. Um, but it just I don't know. Like I know we've been playing well in that recently, and I kind of I, I, like, I, I kind of help but be positive. But at the same time, it just, it just feels like a a, a pre Bournemouth vibe. Oh, we're just going to walk over these. It's going to be near bother. Go two 0 up in the first twenty minutes, and then we'll just hump them four or five. Now no bother. And like I remember the predictions for the show. I think was like four and five across the board, and I don't even think we had five shots on target in that game. <laughs> like a five good chances. So like I don't want to be like the negative Nelly of this podcast, but like I don't know. It's just it just feels like there's a there's there's just a there's just something there. Like, I know we'll want to beat Villa, and coming on to the predictions, I think we will beat Villa, but I just kind of help but feel like there's a, there's kind of something Villa I've got to prove or something where it's like a bit weird. Or, I don't know. Maybe just me, but... I'm, I'm going to take that, Kyle, not as negativity, but as you just trying to be sensible here, trying not to get carried away, not to get arrogant. You know, it's still a game of football. We have to, to play well to win. But I'm going to go to Adam for some... <laughs> For, some, for not not more optimism, but maybe a different view. Uh, how how much are we going to beat Aston Villa by Adam? I really think they're there for the taking. Um, I did I did sort of say this in the Spurs preview. I think I I, I was very close to saying two one win to us. I nearly said it. I said one one to us, but it was very very close. And it was, Spurs were in a bad place when we went to see them. You can look at the result last week, Villa smashing Brentford at home to think that there's some sort of revival there. There is, and yes, look, they have excellent players. They've always had really, really good players, but the problem has been knitting them together into into some sort of coherent team, and that is the problem. So you've got an interim manager who, you know, look, I feel like that Brentford result was some sort of kind of like coming together, some sort of release. I think, I think it's quite, it's a lot easier to rally yourself, A, at home, B, when a, a manager's departed and they've just pulled out this result against a Brentford side who aren't very good on, on the road anyway. We found that out eventually. Um, I just think that Villa at the minute, despite that 4-0 win, and to be honest, it was largely just a very, very good first half, wasn't it? Let's let's be honest. I think that they are, they are still a team in purgatory who have confidence issues that of sort of just waiting for the Emery uh, reign to begin. It's not quite started yet. So they, they are in kind of this purgatory situation of kind of in between two kind of management eras. And I just think that for them to come away from home on the road to a team who, to a club who's essentially one of the best club sides on form this whole calendar year, Newcastle United are a very, very good team. We are formidable at home. And I just think that whereas they're kind of a team that's still struggling with who they might be this season and they don't yet know under Emery, we are kind of this juggernaut hurtling towards the European conversation at the end of this year. We're well well oiled. We know what we're doing. I think we'll be fit. I think we'll want it more. And I think I just think it's too much of an ask for an Aston Villa side who haven't won an away game all season in the league, I do believe they got an away win at Bolton in the League Cup. I'm not necessarily counting that. For them to come up and disrupt a team like Newcastle, who has really strongly performed uh, over the last few weeks, 
I just can't see it happening. I can't see them getting more than a, a goal on the counter-attack, if, if at all. But I just think we're going to create too much. I think we're going to cause them too many problems. They do have an issue at left-back as well. They're without both um, Augustine and Dina. They're obviously out without Diego Carlos as well. Um, and I just think there is opportunity there in the back to get at them, to exploit them, to ask questions like we did with the Spurs defence, get in their faces. Yes, they're going to have a bit of threat on the counter-attack. They have lots of movement and dynamism and pace with that front four, if you include um, Bailey and Watkins wide out. And then you've got Buendia, who started against Brentford ahead of Coutinho. And then Danny Ings, who was there finishing a couple of them as well. But So they... We have to be cautious, maybe in a way that Everton were a bit dynamic and, and and quick on the break as well. But we should have too much for them. We really, really should. They're the team that has to try and pull their socks up. They're the team who are trying to stop themselves sliding towards a relegation battle. We're the team in the ascendancy. We should dominate and we should make it extremely hard for them to come away with any points this Saturday. I love it. And to be fair, I, I appreciate both of your views there because you're right, Kyle, this has got the potential to be, we walked into the, the Crystal Palace game and, and the Bournemouth game and arguably the Everton game, expecting to smash these teams, expecting it to be too much for them. And all three of those games, uh, obviously we won against Everton, but we made hard work of it. All three of those games um, didn't didn't go the way we'd expected. Now, Aston Villa are probably going to come with the Bournemouth or the, the Palace approach and try and try and frustrate us and make it really difficult for us because I just can't see them coming out the way that they did last week against Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, I think the, I have to, I have to lean towards Adam here. We've just got too much, too much going for us right now. And I think if you look at the league table, um, Man United are playing West Ham. You've got Chelsea away to Brighton. So that's not, not an easy fixture at all. They've got potential to drop points there. Um, bit of a grudge match for Brighton who've lost all of their manager and and backroom staff in this in in the calendar year um it's just i think it's a perfect opportunity for us to cement our place in the top 4 and i think that's what Eddie Howe is going to tell the lads that's how we motivate ourselves not to be complacent here and i think we'll just have too much for Aston Villa who like you say Adam are just in a little bit of a purgatory is probably the best word i expect them to get better under Emery they've got good players then then they're nowhere near the um the bottom five that they, they've been in and they've got themselves into a slump. Stuff's come out that they weren't happy with Gerard as manager and they kind of the result at the weekend was a bit of a told you we hated him and they were unshackled and it was that whole whole got rid of the the bad manager feeling. But that said, um we'll we'll talk a bit more about Aston Villa and, and the threat they pose because they did win 4-0 last week. Um they they ditched the kind of four three three that Gerard had been going with and and I think Adam you're gonna you're gonna describe what they what they did instead and I think one of the things I noticed is that Watkins and Ings were both playing which Gerard didn't do very often I think he, he tended to choose one or the other whereas they just went for it at, at Bournemouth and, and stuck them both on and and got the reward so yeah are oh, oh, Aston Villa more of a danger than that than we're probably giving them credit Adam or not. Well, this is it. As I said, you know, I still think we should absolutely have enough to beat them, but we have to be wary of them on the counter-attack. We really do. I expect us to dominate possession. I expect us to take control of that game. But what we don't want, and actually, what to be honest, what we do want is we want the other team to 
have that threat of having another go because I just think it makes the game a lot more open. I think we've struggled against teams who have absolutely decided that they will hold out for a point and sit back and let us try and break them down with a couple of uh, couple of uh, layers of blocks at the back. But I think I think they will be a bit more expansive. Their pace will ensure that we have to be wary of their movement. They might Bailey and, and Watkins might, might might swap flanks. Might come. Across you know, Watkins is just as adept going through the middle as we know. He's been playing him out uh, wide right against Brentford. Um, Buendia, who is another player who didn't really get a massive chance against uh, under Gerard. He didn't really get a lot of starting um, berths under Gerard, whereas he was thrown straight in against Brentford and he was he was part of that win. So I kind of don't expect danks uh to make too many changes because if you've just if you've just put out your first premier league um lineup and they've just smashed the team 4-0 i can't see i can't see him putting out a different side to that even though coutinho was left out even though ramsey was left out of that um mm. as well john mcginn who's who, who was gerard's captain and obviously all, all the controversy coming out you know around the mings being uh, having the leadership taken away from him and how that's going to affect his confidence throughout this season as well. So there's a lot of kind of internal subplots as well with, with, with Villa and maybe, maybe Gerard going was good for a lot of players, but maybe some of the players actually preferred him there so that it might still be a bit of a divided dressing room. We can't, we can't underestimate that, but most of their goals are coming from open play. And again, that's just their ability to, to use the flanks, they will try and use the flanks. They will use their pace out wide. They'll try and overlap. Look, Ashley Young and Matty Cash will be expected to to push on, and we're we're going to have to be mindful of that. I can see, obviously, uh, the likes of M- Miggy on that side protecting Trippier. Um, Bailey, for me, I think is 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 just a player who promised a lot when he arrived um, from from the Bundesliga. Um, he had a bit of a patchy start with injuries and form, but I feel like you know he's got two goals to assist so far this season. He's going to be a threat. Watkins also has the same two goals to assist, and Ings is their top scorer with three. However, two of them did just come in that last game. So they they do have players who can threaten us, but as a team, they are very goal shy, and I think they've 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 got a round. It's about a goal a game, if if of only slightly less. So that there is, for them, that's not great. Um, and yeah, in fact, they've played twelve and they scored eleven. So I don't think um, they are the. I don't think they're the the free flowing attacking team that that last week suggests. I think they'll be a very very different proposition away from home. Um, but I'm really impressed with the likes of you know Douglas Louise in, in in the middle, who was a player that Newcastle are credited to have been looking at um, in, in in summer. Uh, he, yes, he does have a bit of a temperament, and and that could be a possible uh, notion to exploit. But I think his players are kind of you know double pivot alongside Deng Donka. They'll sit in, and they'll be very busy. By the way. Um, but I think Louise is a player who can technically really good. I think he's he's really intelligent. I think he's due a big move soon. He's going to have to be um, watched. I think. I think we and how he kind of dictates from deep. We're going to have to watch um, his influence on the game, certainly in that midfield battle. And a lot of Aston Villa's games, they they are played in the middle third. They will be quite scrappy. It will be maybe a bit of. 
they have the potential if they turn up side to 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 maybe be as difficult as Everton were, even though we kind of knew Everton weren't massively great. Um, but I just think if they're going to be trying to push on the counter-attack, our counter our counter counter-attacks are very quick as well. We have um we have a lot of um good long ball distribution from the back from from the goalkeeper from the from the back four as well to 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 get on the break to to aim for those pockets in behind what will be those marauding fullbacks that that Aston Villa will deploy and try and aim for that space where the wingers can exploit and push them back and 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 start to create chances um when they're not prepared and when half the team is pushed forward we do have the ability to quell all the threats of this team i i'm i'm in no doubt about that, I think Aston Villa have a mountain to climb to try and even get a point um, at St James's Park. We're going to be so formidable, um, but we just have to watch. We just have to watch them on the counter, I think, and in a few of the set pieces. Very, very thorough and and very interesting, Adam. Um, you're right. We have got distribution and counter-attacking potential, um, which. One of the talking points for tonight is, is John Joe Shelby, who, who made his first appearance on Sunday. But Kyle, I'll, I'll come to you about about the lineup. You know, this team pretty much unchanged. I know Willick was in and out the side uh, because of his illness and the only other change was Murphy dropping out for Joe Linton last week. Um, but three massive fixtures. You'd think the lads might have needed a rest, but they've had a full week to recover um, going into this one. So... Are there any changes you would make or would you just trust the same group of, of players once again to, to get the result here and to, to do a job against the threats that Adam's just described? I think, in all honesty, I think that's that's the way Eddie Howe will go. I think we'll stick with an unchanged side because I know a lot of people haven't said it, but I think Sean Longstaff played well enough to not get dropped. Um, I, I didn't... I mean, don't get us wrong, I think Joel and, and played really well uh, on the right because uh, I think him and Willock were like doing this intertwining thing where they were taking turns in midfield and on the wing, mm. which I think worked really well to deal with Tottenham's midfield. And Adam picked apart like D- Douglas Louise being a ma- major threat for Aston Villa um, in the 4 2 3 1 system that they, played, that they seemed to play last week. Um, we can counter that with that with a similar type of with a similar type of system. So if you've got Willock and um Willock and Joel in intertwining, I think they'll struggle to deal with the pace in the midfield, as well as the, the class of Bruno. And even then if you need a bit of creativity, you can bring John Joe Shelby on since that's a, an option that we have now. But I think in terms of one to eleven, um, he'll he, he will stick with the same team. I don't see my target making an appearance against his former side as much as he'd probably like to, given their two main fullbacks are out and he's sitting on a bench at Newcastle. It's probably probably he's probably um, counting his luck at the minute. But yeah, I I, I completely think he'll go unchanged, um, and I think with the formula that 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 worked at Tottenham will work against Aston Villa because like you say the high turnovers and the, the counter of a counter were very good at and statistically one of the best teams in the league so I think if Villa quote unquote go for like the went for Brentford they will encounter more problems because Brentford away from home as as we've seen a couple of weeks ago do tend to like capitulate so I think hmm. Villa will be a little bit more cautious but like we, like, we can't punish them with, with the players that we have. 
Well, that's exactly it. They might have put four past Brentford, but we did. We put five past them the other week. You know, it's not a great measure of of how much of a goal threat they are. Um, I honestly think they they will look at our defence and go, bloody hell, how are we going to get through that brick wall? Um, and I mean, I'm including Dan Byrne. There's no point in talking about mighty target left back anymore. I think um, um, it's just. Dan, but that you can't drop him. He he seems like such a great bloke as well. I don't want to see him dropped. And uh, yeah, Sharon Botman. I, I, we haven't lost a game when they've when they've been in defence. So it's just like it's just a no brainer that that back four stays. Trippier was excellent last week. It's not even a question, obviously. But you know that the back back five, including Nick Pope, obviously is just is just too good. And I, I really think this is the sort of game where they might want to come and try and surprise us and try and try and get a goal. But if they look at what Brentford did when they came up here, they tried to play an open game. They tried to give us a game of football and they got absolutely punished. So I honestly think that they, they come with the the Bournemouth or the Palace game plan and, and try and frustrate us. But I don't know if that works either because you've got Miggy, who's in totally different form now. You've got Callum Wilson back in the team. You've got Joe Linton and, and Bruno who are just, just looking so good and Willock desperate, desperate for a goal. I just don't think you can you can sit back against this Newcastle team and expect to get away with it. So I think that they've got a real decision to make about how to approach this game. And and, and again, I look I love doing a preview where I think they've got a much harder de- harder decision about how to approach the game than we do. Adam, I think the, the one thing that we do need to be wary of is that you know a lot of the preparation and research would have been you know looking at a Gerard team. Um, and obviously, that's mm-hmm. it's not a Gerard team anymore. So it, it might be from a from from a coaching perspective, from how's tacticals perspective, it it might just be that little bit difficult to kind of read what necessarily this particular iteration of Villa are going to do. And it's sort of based on one game, really. I mean, we can look back at you know what these current players have been capable of under Gerard and under Gerard's system and his leadership. But obviously, with him gone now. It does create a slightly different beast and maybe a bit of an unknown and maybe there's almost not enough. There's, it just might catch us out a little bit, I think. I, I still think how we'll be prepared for it. I, I, it's not I'm saying that we that how we'll not have thought of this, obviously, but I just think because there's just one game of data with with, with Danks as, 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 as interim manager, caretaker manager, then it's it, it, it just maybe it offers just that little bit of tiny bit of doubt about well do we know exactly what they're going to do or but I'm, I'm pretty confident they'll just put the same side outside I, I really don't know why he would want to change that side unless he really really has to 4-0 win pretty good performance he'll just be wanting to try and carry out that momentum so hopefully that's you know we're, we're going to be well prepared for that but it's just something to keep in mind yeah I mean if they if they change the approach and, and really try to batten down the hatches, you could understand it. Like a nil nil draw here would be a, a really good result for them. Caretaker manager would be buzzing with that, you know, a win and a draw in, in your first two games against the top four side as well. So you know, you know, where the where the top four side that nobody wants to come and play against, you know. So I think they, they they've got you've got to think that whilst I I agree with you, if it's gone that well the week before, it's hard to change it. But they they certainly in terms of the style and the way they approach the game. You'd like to, you'd like to think they're going to be far more defensive and letting us have the ball and trying to kind of frustrate us in that way. But as I said before, because of the confidence that's grown in this team since those early games where we were really worried about scoring goals and breaking teams down, I just don't think that'll be a problem. Kyle, I think the I think the major curveball is because you know Emery's like notoriously a defensive coach, 
Like yeah. you see in the defensive displays that they did against Man United in the in like in the Europa League and stuff like that, uh, and against Bayern Munich and stuff last season. Like Emery is known to set up teams very well. So if he's got uh, any input, I know he isn't on the touchline, but surely he's having conversations with the staff to how this how these Villa team sets up. And it might be a little bit of a curveball that he wants them to show a little bit more um, defensive mobilisation going into him taking over and stuff like that. So, um, I, to be honest, I think it'll be more they'll just let the caretaker do his thing until Emery goes in. But it might, it might just be a curveball to throw in there. Like if if Emery does have impetus, he'll probably want want them to defend and defend well at St James Park because it is like like said before. We are a very formidable team and very formidable at home. I think we've only been beat in the league off Liverpool and Man City in the last year and at home. So it's like it is a hard place to come unless you're Cambridge. But <laughs> <laughs> don't, Kyle, don't. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think if 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 any of these players have got anything about them, they'll they'll know about Emery and they know about his style. So they'll they'll be wanting to put in a. A strict defensive performance. They'll want to show that they can they can stick to a shape and 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 do that kind of do that kind of thing. But I'm just I'm just looking at that Villa side from last week. Like if Ashley Young plays left back, I know he was quick in his day, but they cannot play him left back against Miggy, the informed Miggy that we've got at the moment. He'll have a field day, so they might even be looking at that thing. What do we do? I don't, the, the midfield, yes, Louise does look like a, a, a tough character, but. I still think that's lightweight compared to what we've got in midfields. I'm looking at Tyrone Mings and, and who's the other centre half? Con, Concer. Concer. Um, I think Wilson can give them an absolute nightmare of, a, of an afternoon at St James's Park. I just think there's so many places on that pitch where we're better than them that I'm, I'm I've, I've just I'm so confident and I've been confident most games this season, but this one in particular, I just cannot see. I cannot see them scoring against us. The, the way we're defending at the moment, the way we we set up. I'd be surprised if they get a shot on target. Nick Pokes and have a, a very quiet game. He might have a couple of crosses to claim. That's a bold call. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just think the the only thing that could could hurt us here is if we don't get that early goal because the the last few games it's been all about applying that early pressure until we until we get that goal, which is which has come off the last few times. Um, if we're if we get half time at nil nil, and especially at a, on a Saturday afternoon three o'clock kickoff. The St James's crowd gets a bit expectant. You know, we've already become that that home crowd, and that's not that's not a criticism. You can't you can't treat Aston Villa at home like a like a relegation three pointer anymore. You know, it's it's not that. We're fourth. We're expected to win these games. So if we're not winning by sixty minutes, people do get a bit frustrated. People do start to to worry about uh, about the outcome of the game. So the the nerves start to spread on the pitch. So there are ways that this could go, but I'd, I'd I think it's unlikely, and I'm quite happy to kind of hang my hat on. This being a just a, a, a textbook two or three nil win for Newcastle. Um, I know I've gone I've gone a bit early in prediction there. I might change it in the next in the next five minutes. Who knows? But um... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think what I'd like to do next, lads, is, is take a trip down memory lane because I think this this will also help, especially you, Kyle, with uh, the, the slight concerns about whether this is a banana skin. But we've... We've had some wonderful, wonderful afternoons with uh, with Aston Villa at St James's Park over the years. Um, oh. I don't know who would like to go first on a on a on a, on a memorable trip um, down a memorable trip down memory lane. <laughs> um, Adam, I think you've got the earliest of the memories for us. So, so why don't you go first? Yeah, one of one of the earliest um, home fixtures I remember was a really exciting Monday night football back in the nineteen ninety six ninety seven season. It was Newcastle 4, Aston Villa 3, and it was Dwight York getting a hat-trick at St. James's Park, which for, for, for any visiting player to get a hat-trick um, you know, at St. James's Park, I don't think that's happened too often. Um, maybe a few more times over the Ashley era than we'd wanted to, but that was that was quite a that was just a really exciting classic Sky Sports Monday Night Football. Uh, game of football, couple of goals for Ferdinand, Shearer scored, Howie uh, got a header as well, um, which was the fourth goal. But yeah, York was York put in an absolutely unbelievable uh, performance that, that that night as well. But I think my my favourite um, Aston Villa at home fixture side has to be a little bit further forward, 3rd of November 2001, and it was the 3-0 Um which included two Bellamy goals and that side foot volley from an acute angle from Alan Shearer from the right-hand side of the box in front of the Gallagher, past Peter Schmeichel, his old foe, um, in goal. And he just... It, the, the, the flighted ball from Rob Lee, he caught it on the volley in the instep, went into the kind of top corner. It was such a strange and unique goal, the way he hit it. And um, he just sort of stood in front of the Gallagher as, as it was like pandemonium, just like, I think he was just, I think he said in previous interviews that he was just, uh, he was just like knackered. That's why he just didn't, he didn't do his run because he was just like absolutely knackered. But yeah. I think it was just, it was just special coming past Schmeichel, given that, you know, obviously the, all of those um, Newcastle versus Man United uh, title challenges, um, Schmeichel played a big part in, in them winning the title over us. So it was, it was extra, um, it was extra sweet to score past, um, you know, such a such an excellent goalkeeper. But it was a couple of assists for Rob Lee that day as well. Um, but yeah, I think that Shearer goal definitely definitely got a contender for goal of the month if, if it didn't win it. It must have done. It must have done. I, I, I don't remember. It makes it makes Alan Shearer himself's top top five, I think. But yeah, it's in my top top two or three. Um, that was going to be my one, but I don't I don't remember the game at all. I, I've got no recollection of either of Bellamy's goals. I could not find. I was going to look for a video for it before this podcast. There's no footage of it anywhere. You can see the Shearer goal in a million different places, but you cannot find those two Bellamy goals. I love how Shearer talks about it. Because I think it was in the the, the season review uh, tape after the DVD, whatever. Mm. And he was just like, 
to this day, I, I don't know why I've hit it first time. Because <laughs> because it was just such a weirdly acute angle. Like you wouldn't necessarily think, yeah, top, side foot volley into the top corner. Yep, yeah, I'll go for that one. Like as he said, it could have just ended up absolutely anywhere, but he just caught it so sweet. And as ever, as Alan Shearer should do, trust his instincts. It usually finds the back of the net. It was just one of those perfectly, perfectly weighted balls over the top from from Rob Lee, wasn't it? Um, I've probably we've probably mentioned on this podcast before, but me and a few of the lads played five aside with Rob Lee a few years ago. He was um, doing some sort of promotion for something called I don't know what it was. It was something about like stag dudes get to play with a with a legend. So he was doing like a promotion day. So we got to pop along and and play five aside with them. And this was Rob Lee. I think he was about fifty at the time, but it was. Obviously, you couldn't move the way you used to, but it was every single pass, every single layoff was just so perfectly weighted. I was like, I'm not used to, like, I've, I've still play five aside now, but I get so frustrated when the ball's like a yard behind me, a yard ahead of you. Every single pass on that bloke was just perfect. Like, that's what a, a brilliant, brilliant professional footballer can do. Like, just the perfect pass every time. What exactly, a legend, man. Exactly where you want it. Like, Alan Shearer wouldn't have been able to volley a ball from many of the players, but that, that pass was so good. It was. It just had to be hit. It was there to be hit, um, despite him saying he doesn't know why he did it. <laughs> but yeah, that that was definitely my memory, um, my, one of my fondest, because uh, it was definitely the first league game I got to go to um, when I was a young lad. Obviously, season tickets were there was a waiting list. It was very difficult to get to games. Um, my dad was from Manchester, so I didn't have a an obvious route to St James's. Um, so I'd been to a couple of cup games. I'd been to a couple of European games, but this was my first ever league game. And I got a seat in the Gallagher with my mate who had a season ticket. My mate, who was also, by the way, one of those glory supporting Man U fans. I won't mention his name, but went to school with him and he was a Man U supporter. But his dad got him a season ticket, so he went to Newcastle games despite supporting Man U. But he occasionally had the seat next to him spare, so I went along with him for the for the Villa game. And I'm sitting there going mental when Shearer scores that goal and he's like, well, you were very good. Now, I hated that, but I'll, I'll never forget that day. Um, I can't remember. I went to a couple of others that season. I think we beat Derby 1-0. And I can't remember the other one, maybe like Man City in the cup or something. But yeah, great memories for me as a as a twelve year old kid. Um, and you know what? We've had some. We've had. We've, we've we've missed a load of other ones. So Kyle, I'm hoping you've got a different uh, different great memory of us thrashing I, I us. Do. I do, but the the thing is, how do I follow that up? Just a total, <laughs> tri- total tribute to, to Rob Lee and that, and I'm about to berate <laughs> a poor. Well, not a poor, but it, I'll, I'm going to take us back to the championship season, Nottingham Forest away. That I know where this is going. Little, yeah, yeah, there's just words that I can't say on this podcast that describe a certain Henry Lansbury. But he kind of took <laughs> Newcastle out of a, a game in in Nottingham um, in the in the winter, and then he signs Fast and Villa in the January, and then Villa come to Newcastle, and it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. It really, it really <laughs> couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. He got he got slated all game every time he just touched the ball. And it just ended beautifully with a goal going ball hitting off him, him running hit him hitting the post and hugging the post <laughs> as it trickles into the net. And like he, he was giving it the big end um again when when obviously Forrest beat Wolf ten or nine men or whatever it was, but uh he sulked off off St James's Park after a very poor performance it, it um in a two-nil win. Um and he wasn't laughing at the end, but uh, I haven't I heard loved- I loved that when he was kind of like just lit, lent up against the post. There's the utter despair in his face when he realised that no, not against Newcastle, not like this. See, 
I thought when you said it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke, you meant the opposition manager who was in the dugout at the time, a Mr. Mr. Steve Bruce, of course, with with a team that had cost more uh, than Benitez had spent on our team in that championship, and with a team that ultimately finished like seventeenth or something in the championship that year, didn't even, didn't even get anywhere near the playoffs with a more well, expensive you know. side than what we had. Well, you know exactly. Um, <laughs> No, no, that's a brilliant one. The, the Lansby stuff's hilarious, yeah. I for, I'd forgotten all about that, not in the Forest game. We finished with nine men. Didn't um, Darlow save two pens as well? Darlow saved two pens. sent off. Shelby got sent off. Shelby, yeah. We, we weirdly took the lead through where Matt Ritchie. Um, and, yeah, like, I honestly thought, like, we're going we're gonna to somehow win that game and drag it out and then they scored two goals in the second half. To beat when Lansbury's giving it the digging, but uh, yeah, yeah, he went Aston Villa and all went tits up from. Haven't heard of him since. Shite, <laughs> absolutely true. I, I couldn't tell you who he plays for, where he is, if he's even still a footballer. Probably not because that night probably ended him. <laughs> we can't, uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention the 6 0 as well, lads. I'm sure, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah that was that was another. I think, great I think one. the uh, the the Newcastle Twitter account, uh. Did share the, the the Joey Barton smash from outside the box, uh, which was very very satisfying. Although the keeper seemed to have a bit of sun in his face because it went right down the middle. I feel like you should have been saving that, but still pretty good, pretty good fun. Yeah, he, he let five others in. Was it was it the sun <laughs> for those as well? <laughs> yeah, and Andy Carroll in his absolute prime uh, with yeah. a hat trick. It was a I think was it the first game of the season after after we'd been promoted after first Villa. Home game. Yeah, we played, first home we game. All Crawford first. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. How was that? 0-0, nil, 1-1. Nil, one, one. We got a point. Um, I, I'm, I cannot remember. Winging it now. Yeah, I know the year we got relegated, we went down and drew 0-0, nil, nil, but I don't know. that. I think we got beat. I'm I, I'm not sure. But yeah, I can't remember at all. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> any Patreons listening, um, <laughs> let me know. Answers on a postcard. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll move on from that. But yeah, uh, class, another, another great one. I mean... Yeah, even even last season, last season the the, the trip year goal to win what was a massive, massive three points. Uh, like that was the best thing because they had uh, they were all celebrating, weren't they? That it wasn't that it wasn't a penalty because it was a, it was a foul right on the line, and they were all celebrating. And the, and yeah, the, yeah, the referee had sort of uh, signaled that it was a free. And all of them, all of them was. In fact, no, the ref. Sorry, the linesman, the linesman had put his. Thumb up and said like, yeah, it's a pe- like it's a penalty. I think he flagged for the penalty, and then VAR overruled it. All the Aston Villa fans like celebrating because it wasn't a penalty. Then Trippier lines up this free kick just after taking the one against Everton like the week yeah. before, and he's just smashed one through the wall, threw into the net, and it's like, well, you might as well have had a penalty, lads, because yes. like it was, <laughs> it's made absolutely no difference. But yeah, that was uh, that was a sweet moment. Yeah, another tremendous one. So, um, yes, with that in mind, Kyle, I'm going to come back to you first uh, for your predictions for this one. You started the show a little bit apprehensive, a little bit kind of probably probably grown up about it. You know, it's it's not no game is easy in the Premier League, uh, as as Steve Bruce used to say. Um, but yes, come on, give us give us a prediction with your heart here. Ooh, full full of heart, full of um, full of passion, full of joy. I'll probably say. Uh, very good 2-0 Newcastle win. Um you've kind of sold us on the um like it's not a Bournemouth kind of case, it's like Villa kind of a crumbling mess and they've got some good individual players, but like Felipe Coutinho, I think he's got like one assist in 20 matches. Like 
that he's just not performing. Um, they've got a couple of good players, but I really think Newcastle need to get it. Uh, Ashley Young, they really need to get it. Tyrone Mings, because I think he's the most overrated defender England have, and they've got Harry Maguire in the setup. Like that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> like, um, yeah, two 0 win, um, and looking good doing it and staying in the top four. Hopefully, love it, Adam. Over to you. Well, if Mickey Carling's listening, he's going to enjoy this next prediction. Um, I'm <laughs> going to go. I think it'll be another 3-0. I think we have enough to take them down. The defence is going to be, present opportunities. And I really, really think our players are going to take those opportunities. A back Wilson to get a couple. Um, and I think we're just going to be too much for them. Well, really, really good side. I don't expect our run of form to start on Saturday. Yeah. The, the main thing is that you just... This this could easily, easily be a complacent performance, but I just don't expect that from an Eddie Howe team. I think we've also got players coming back like Shelby. We've got players on the bench who are desperate for a game. We've got Jacob Murphy and Ryan Fraser. I know they're not great, and I know you know that they'll still be chomping at the bit to get a chance. And if, if anyone doesn't play well, the, these players will come on. Hopefully Anderson's fit again and he can he can also offer offer a threat from the bench. Chris Woods barely had any minutes, but you know, you might come on and do Tyrone Wings a bit of a bit of damage. You just you certainly gave you some serious damage. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly gave him a lot to think about last season. Ultimately, you got the got the goal from the free kick, but he he was a handful. Yeah, I just think, I just think uh, we will we, we'll be too good here. I think they will put in a performance. I think you know this won't be a, a bad Villa side. There's some good players there, and I think they will be wanting a to impress the new manager. B, there'll be that kind of evidence of the fact that they. They've got rid of Gerard, who they seemingly didn't like, and they they might play with a bit more freedom, a bit more passion. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to rein it in a little bit and go with you, Kyle. I think a two nil win. I think we'll get we'll get a goal at some point in the first half. We'll get to half time. We'll we'll you know absorb a bit of pressure early second half. We'll see it out because our defense is too good, and then Botman will pop up the other end and, and score a goal from a corner because he absolutely deserves to score from the amount of times he's he's had a chance from a set piece. So yeah, a nice two 0 with Botman on the score sheet is is my prediction. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it here for for the preview. Um, like I said at the start, this goes out every week on on Patreon. If you would like to come and, and hear a preview for each game, as well as loads and loads of other stuff, uh, we do a review after each match. There's the match day podcast itself. Obviously, we, we record our thoughts throughout the day. So so please join us if you'd like to hear more podcasts like this on our patron channel. But for now, thank you very much, Adam, and thank you very much, Kyle. It's been a pleasure. And this has been the True Faith Podcast. <laughs>